2: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now, michael at lmfm.ie.
3: Good morning. It's Wednesday, 14th of September. On The Michael Reed Show this morning, we get the real story from businesses in the region who are facing an uncertain future as energy bills hit eye-watering figures. Some feel they won't be able to survive while others will face temporary closure. Many businesses have described it as the biggest crisis they've faced in a generation. Sinn Féin put forward their proposals to tackle the energy crisis. A new initiative was launched to encourage women to get involved in politics. Palliative Care Week is underway, but do we really understand the reality of what we can expect if opting for it? And the minimum wage is set to increase by 80 Cent from January 1st. That's expected to get sign-off at Cabinet this morning. Now, this morning, uh, in case you're joining us for the first time, first of all, let me say a very good morning to you with Alan Cantwell for the next uh, couple of weeks because Michael is away. And we decided yesterday, given the level of interest and concern which is expressed by the business community, that we concentrate the first hour of the show on the impact of the cost-of-living crisis And the cost of energy and raw materials to businesses and how they intend to survive. And that's where they are at the moment. They're in survival mode. So we have a budget coming up in just under two weeks. And there's a collective holding of breath, I suppose, amongst the business community who are awaiting to hear what the Minister for Finance has to say in relation to supports that will be available for businesses, not just in throughout the, this region and throughout the country. So that's what we'll be concentrating on this morning for the first hour of the programme. So I would love to hear from businesses out there and more than happy to bring you on air to have a conversation around the difficulties that you're facing. Our number is 41 98 000. And if you want to text or WhatsApp us, we're on 086-1800-658. Now, lest you think that as a country that we are here in isolation and it's only happening on our our doorstep, it's not. I had cause to have a conversation um, this morning with two individuals, Michelle and Eddie. They live in the Netherlands. They're in Amsterdam. They work for the National Opera and Ballet Company. And good morning to you both. They, in the Netherlands, are having exactly the same conversations we are having in Ireland. They're facing the same difficulties. They are putting their politicians under the hammer in order to come up with solutions, not just for the cost of living, but for businesses as well, in order to ensure and maintain their survival. That has a positive impact to the extent that we're all in the same boat. So we will all survive together or we'll all go down together. And the likelihood of us all going down together is not a realistic proposition because the EU will not allow us to do that. Ursula van der Leyen this morning gave a keynote address round about eight o'clock our time in relation to what she wants to do in order to prop up Economies and help businesses and individuals through this difficult time. Nothing new in relation to what she said. We will go through that a little bit later. But let me get back to the the genesis of the conversation here this morning. We'll have a number of guests who will be joining us on air, and we've a number of guests in studio. Let me get to our guests in studio. First of all, Robert Murray, who is president of Drogheda Chamber of Commerce, he joins us in studio. We're also joined in studio by John Farley, president of Meath County Chamber. Gentlemen, good morning to you both. We'll also have other callers online. I want to go to you first, Robert. Will you give me a sense, as briefly as you can, of the difficulties being faced by businesses in Drogheda?
4: Good morning, Alan, thanks very much for inviting us in here today. So it's, it's really important. I'll start by saying it's important to be here to be able to listen to the businesses and what we're, our objective originally really is to our initially is to come in and to take away some um, problems and hopefully solve some. So I think the issues that businesses are facing at the moment, um, clearly, as you said, it's a global problem and um, we need to look at it local local solutions. So the um, the problems that we have in businesses are clearly, you know, this kind of shock. Um, in the energy costs initially is a a big thing. Now, that's coupled with lots of other problems, of course. But initially, it's the energy.
3: And you obviously, any businessman... Or woman has to come up with solutions in order to be able to survive a situation where there's going to be a downturn. We came out of COVID. We thought we were over that. We adapted and pretty successfully a lot of business did adapt that they pushed business online and that worked out for them. This is a different proposition, though, because how much more adaptation can we make as businesses in order to get through this? Because there's a huge financial hit here.
4: Yeah, and I I think that's like it goes back to the the business and the type of business. It it depends. It depends on the business itself. Obviously, all the costs are going up at the moment for all the reasons we know. But um, the the first thing to do is look at your own business. I think that's the first thing. And th- I know lots of people. I think the first thing I'd say from the chamber perspective is that we do under we understand the concerns that are out there. We understand the issues, um, and we understand that lots of businesses have taken steps already, and they're already being efficient as they can, and they're still having the difficulty of these increased costs. But if you take something simple like the um, like an ESP bill that comes in, and obviously we're hearing that kind of shock yep. bill coming through the post. Um you know th- there a lot of them are coming true from estimates, and you know the obvious thing to start is to to get that reading and to bring it in and see where you are because it might be a build up from previous builds and you no know, that's the common sense kind of answer there but um I think the if you look at the individual um business itself. And just um, effectively kind of assess what you, where you are, look at the behaviour within the business, and identify kind of what is the game what is the game here that's being played. Okay, uh, John, let me
3: bring you in there and again put the same question to you. What sort of stories are you hearing? And good
5: morning, you're very very welcome to us. Thank you, Alan, for having us. Um, the same the same the very same stories um uh, costs going through the roof from the point of view of the uh, the bills that are coming through the the electricity bills and um you know, in in um, the gas ones haven't been arriving yet because it has has been a very good summer, and that's going to pile on, on top of what, uh, what what is a very uh, unbelievable situation following on from COVID. Um, basically, uh, I I. I, I feel for uh, the small retailer and where they have a lot of fridges and, and all of the rest of it are talking to those and butcher shops and whatever and, and uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday that had said that uh, he wouldn't be able to keep his butcher shop open because of the costs uh, going through the roof and if that if that starts to happen across the country and that's only one particular um, <coughs> retailer um, and uh, if that starts to happen um, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful uh, on the basis of what I was listening to this morning uh, that uh, the government is going to actually, um, not alone provide help to individual families but also to to small to businesses, SMEs, small SMEs OK,
3: well the let country. me just bring you the up-to-date <clears throat> position in relation to the government and what supports they were talking about, and I talk in the context of what the Thonish the of Varadkar um, had to say yesterday, and of course that cabinet this morning, this will be discussed it will be discussed at Nausim uh, uh, prior to the budget in a couple of weeks time, but he spoke Spoke about meeting business groups, presumably Ivec, Ismi, whomever. Mm-hmm. And out of that he was saying that you know, b- recognize that businesses were struggling with large energy co- energy costs and will be offered financial support in three particular forms. Uh, they will be um supports in relation through loans, a grant, and broader measures likely to be some form of payment. So let me ask you on that basis, uh, Robert, we, we don't know the specifics of it, but they seem to be edging towards what we witnessed during the pandemic. Is it that the sort of direction we should be going?
4: Yeah, and Alan, I think just before we came on air as well, we had a brief chat around you know the the actual, you know the changeover from the COVID um, impact over to this crisis now. And if you look back at the government response in COVID times, I think there was lots of scepticism then at that time around what the government would do and they got it right in fairness to them. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. So I think if we were looking at this crisis before COVID arrived, I think we'd be looking at a different response from the government. So I think we've got that very good benefit behind us. Um, when you mentioned those three different levels of support the loans so the debt that was actually completely disregarded really during COVID because it wasn't the right uh, solution at the time the grants and injecting that money back into the into the economy and supporting the businesses to keep them afloat that was the main objective of the, of the government and they did a really good job with that so ideally we would have had a very good time now to be able to benefit from that transaction period and for businesses to be able to get that income back into their businesses get cash flow back in so the grants are going to be very welcome and I certainly think they will do that. Um And then injections in cash as well back into the business is, is crucial. Maybe the EWSS and supports mm-hmm. like that because you know this whole thing about the unit uh, capping and all that, and it's it's very unlikely to, to be the right solution um, from my opinion and um, I think there's a kind of a, it's how best they use that money and how targeted it is.
3: Okay John let me bring you in there and to quote Donald Rumsfeld when he said the unknown unknowns, that's where we are in reality because we don't know how this is going to pan out. That this could potentially be only a stopgap measure to get us through this winter. It may go far beyond
5: that. There's a, a, a very strong possibility that uh, the way Putin is 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 reacting that he has no intention of changing course. And if that is the case, uh, we're in we're in for the long haul. I would I would say when I when I think about this. Uh, and think about the dependence that Europe uh, has had on on Russian oil uh, it has been or Russian gas sorry it has been a big mistake um, that we weren't doing more I- in Europe to to be self-sufficient from a European point of view um, and no one thought that this was going to happen but uh, coming back to the point and the three uh, potential uh, uh, proposals that the honestist has mentioned i don't think loans for small businesses smes are, is a runner at all i don't think they'd be fit to actually make the repayments regardless of how, how small the actual interest rate would be grants and cash uh, in in dealing with the actual uh, huge increases uh, I had somebody yesterday that uh, their business um, will uh, the esp uh, increases will go um because they're out of contract mm-hmm. and the new contracts. Uh, are from naught point uh, the old contract was 0.9 and it's gone up to 6.6 0.61 and uh, and that's going to be
3: a common story you go to hear uh, yeah. with, with most, most uh, yes. businesses but just just on that um, John, I, I want to bring in Martin winters. he is a managing director of Shore Tank. Martin uh, yeah if you could put on your headphones there uh, Martin, good morning uh, you're very welcome to the program MD at Shore Tank. What do you do at Shore Tank um, Martin?
6: Uh, Good morning, Alan. Morning. Uh, Yes, no, we manufacture, we're based here under Lear in County Loud. Uh, So we manufacture equipment for the offshore oil and gas industry uh, in one of our divisions. And we also manufacture uh, modular units for uh, the ICT industry. So um, so we're basically, we process a lot of steel, manufacture equipment from raw uh, raw material uh, mostly, uh, black steel, so uh,
3: okay, and you employ one hundred and forty people in that operation, and you 100%. have no doubt got your first uh, electricity or energy bill probably uh, for uh, August and coming into September. Have you noticed a difference?
6: Uh, yes, well we've been uh, we like a lot of other businesses had uh, had agreements in place with one of the energy companies um which which has just uh, it ran out and uh, we've been notified of what the increase will be for us so on our electricity side the increase is it's 230% uh, which is a, a phenomenal effect on, uh, on, on the on the bills.
3: And in reality could be sustainable short term but long term not really a runner for you?
6: it's not even sustainable short term to be honest uh, uh, the increase in the energy costs uh, of the magnitude that we've just been advised uh, basically wipes out most of the profitability within the business uh, our gas prices we've just been informed will, from 1st of October will increase by 400% so uh, 400% increase in gas costs uh, and over two, 230% increase in electricity costs uh, the increase of those magnitudes uh, wipe out the profitability of the business to be honest.
3: Okay and as MD of any organisation it is your job to make sure that the business is viable, it's sustainable and it's going to be there long term under those particular operating uh, circumstances that's not looking how it's going to be, therefore you have to look at the operation and scale back or let people go. Are you at that point yet?
7: Uh,
6: We're in a position where we've got a reasonably healthy all the book uh, uh, we've 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 managed to come through the I suppose the one two three uh, hits of COVID Brexit and then the issues on the supply chain that have been caused in the supply chain with the Ukraine, uh, but I think this one number four which is the energy crisis coming at us now is definitely going to uh, look at where we have to uh, take other action where uh, reducing working hours especially if we get some these uh, threatened blackouts. Uh, you know, we're going to look at reduced work hours, and it's, which could lead to possible layoffs, you know.
3: And when you listen to the politicians, regardless of what their political persuasion is, do you get any sense of confidence that they are grappling with this or are they just, you know, groping in the dark looking for solutions?
6: With the previous speaker there, I mean, I, I, there's, there are quite a lot of unknowns in this, which is which is the unfortunate thing. I, I do think the the loans are the, the the commentary yesterday came out about loans. I I don't think are are are, 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 are right for businesses.
3: And that that is why, because you won't be in a position to pay them back. But what if well, they are low interest loans stretched over a protracted period? Surely that yeah. that must be some help.
6: Yeah, well, a lot of companies at the moment have have had to. Uh, with, with what's happened with the with the with Brexit and COVID et cetera, I've had to do a lot of refinancing, as it was,
3: and a lot of warehousing as well,
6: and a lot of warehousing. Right. So a lot of companies have warehoused uh, already. And if you if you if you read the commentary in the Independent on Sunday, the, the revenues are already starting to call in uh, on some companies that haven't been able to uh, pay back uh, or get back in shape with hmm. the revenue. Uh, So, I think for the loans, uh, even at low interest rates, are not the the answer.
3: Okay, just before we go to a break, and briefly, Martin, can I ask you, I mean, you opened in 95. um, It wasn't a bad time to open a business in Ireland in 95. We were going through a period of uh, rapid growth, and we saw what happened with that growth. We went from growth to bang. You went through the, the difficult period of the global recession. How does it compare to what you had to go through as a business back in... Two two thousand and eight to two thousand and twelve, because were, that was a very difficult time. Uh, no,
6: I think to, to 2020, 2021 and into twenty twenty two have have probably been the most difficult period in the in the twenty five plus years of operating here. So it's uh, we've we've the, the external environment is changing so fast now. It's 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 uh, it's, it's 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 probably been the worst time of the overall.
3: Okay, Martin, do stay with us. We're going to have more guests online, but we just got to take a quick break there.
4: Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on
3: LMFM. And a very good morning to you if you've just joined us. We are concentrating in the first hour of the programme talking about the impact of the cost of living crisis on businesses. If you want to get involved and in you're a business and you want to come on air or have a chat with us you can do that by calling 041 98 You can text or WhatsApp us on 086 658. Let's continue with the conversation. We're joined online by Porik Kearns as Managing Director of Anglo Printers here in Drada, employing a staff of Fifty poorer. good morning. You're very welcome to the program. Your electricity bill in August was twenty five thousand, compared to ten thousand in August twenty twenty one. Is that sustainable for you as a business?
7: Good morning, Alan. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, is that sustainable? I think you know the answer to that yep. question. It's most definitely not sustainable. Uh, unfortunately, like, like some of your previous callers, we were on a on a fixed contract with a supplier. Uh, and that came to an end uh, at the beginning of uh, July, and uh, it then rolled into a variable contract. Uh, as no providers in the marketplace were providing a uh, fixed-price uh, business contract. So you can imagine um, going from 10000 in August 21 to 25000 in August 22, that's quite a a frightening uh, jump, 250%. And uh, judging by the predictions, uh, I've been talking to a lot of energy providers and uh, energy consultants. um, This is August, so August will be a low time in terms Mm -hmm. of energy use, so lighting is less, uh, no heating involved in that at this time of the year. Uh, When we project forward to December, January it really becomes quite horrific, and uh, it's it's a crisis uh, of such great proportion uh, for the Irish economy. And I really don't think it's being grasped uh, at the highest level by politicians um, how significant it is. Because if uh, you know, businesses will have uh, direct debits coming at them monthly now that are way beyond uh, their expectations and businesses are quite simply going to run out of cash.
3: Okay, let me ask you then, as somebody who has been in business for a considerable number of years in Drogheda and has run a successful business for a number of years and who many say are a astute businessman, Porik, you nonetheless have to sit back and think about the future for your business. And you have to do it pretty sharpish because, as you say, this is only the the beginning. The thin end of the wedge will start coming towards the first quarter of next year and if you are not in a healthy position you will be out of business. So what are you going to do?
7: See, that's that's actually the, the worst part of it, because uh, as a businessman uh, you will always look for a solution. You will always uh, use your skill set of, of your team to, to, to work to, to find a solution uh, and unfortunately uh, the solutions are beyond... Us as uh, the executives of our company and all the companies, because we have no handle, input, or control over the charges coming at us. We have to have electric supply. We're a manufacturing facility. We work twenty-four hours a day. Our machines do not stop. Uh, but they, unfortunately, if at those sort of numbers, we're going to witness, a, you know, a catastrophic amount of business closures because we just have no control over it, we have no input into the price of electricity, and, you know, we're at the behest of those who are charging essentially what they like. Uh, And that's the rather unfortunate thing. I I find it hugely frustrating right now because I can't intervene to provide a solution. Uh, I'm frantically uh, consulting with local politicians. I'm informing them of the developing situation. I'm talking to accountants that I know who are commanding other businesses smaller than mine and bigger than mine, and they're all saying the same thing. This is going in one direction, which is that we're about to hit, uh, uh, we're, we are the Titanic about to hit the iceberg, because if there is no government intervention, and I'm not talking about loans, that's an absolute waste of time, because businesses are in you know debt in debt since COVID. They are, have uh, taxes warehoused that are now being called in, uh, this is a very serious yeah. and you know quite frustrating situation. Okay,
3: well, well, well Porik, let, let me, side. yeah, let me just put this point to you that to an extent, this is something not necessarily of our own making. The geopolitical situation, which has you know unfolded since last January, when we've seen the Russian forces go into Ukraine, the knock-on effects of that, and the ripple down, we have the problem to deal with. Politically, do you think? we have the right people who will deal with this, or would you prefer to see Europe taking control of this and dictating policy to European members?
7: I think it has to be a European-wide solution, uh, and I would think it involves a number of things. For me, the solution would be very simply uh, capping on an increase. So if you if, if you, take, you have to take uh, an average over the last two years, put a cap on the increase that's allowed, uh, and then you look at ways to to provide uh, the, the paying that to the electric companies and do that over a period of years. So take, for example, if you project three years into the future uh, how much it's going to cost to run Ireland Inc, what's the difference between what that was in twenty one and what it'll be in twenty two take that chunk of finance, put it you know pay the electric companies through the government and put that you know finance over a ten year mm-hmm. period which businesses can pay. In their monthly, uh, in their monthly bills over a longer period, something like that that they're considering in the UK also. You know, but but, but unfortunately
3: that, that was something, that kite was flown by Ursula von der Leyen a number of weeks ago and energy uh, uh, commissioners were not uh, of, of the mind to go down that particular road so we don't know where we're at, but do put, stay with the sport because I've got to move on I want to bring in Michael Hughes as the owner of the Stockhouse restaurant and Trim uh, Michael, uh, good morning, thanks for joining us Tell me about your situation and how grave the situation is for you
1: well, good morning, Alan. Thanks for having me on. I agree, incidentally, with every word of death, the last caller there. Um, well, we've all reached a tipping tip point, uh, and tipping point in, in our business will be exceeded on the first of uh, October when these extra new increases come on on, on board. Now, as an industry and, and as a restaurant, we're like you know, we're effectively punch drunk from all of the things that's happened over the last two years from COVID. Uh, which has not gone away, you know, uh, which, in fairness, was had good supports in place. We went from straight into staff shortage, just uh, really no support for that because it was a hangover from COVID. Tourism dropped off uh, because of car hire prices and so on support in Ireland. And then we price increases on all of our products coming in, not just electric and gas, but food went up 30%. Every... Basically, when we boil down our electric going up from four and a half to 8,500, our gas going up from 1,000 to just short to 3,000, uh, in, in 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 each bill, the, the postman in fact hasn't delivered the latest bill yet because he's afraid to come near the postbox. Um, we we we've a perfect storm, and there's nothing. Uh, we, we, when we boil it down, we we we've been looking at this uh, on on a daily basis in the restaurant. Uh, the first 12, 13 customers to come in our door every night now is just to pay for the increases alone that we've experienced over the last couple of months. That's obviously unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, without supports, uh, I don't agree with loans, I don't, because you have to be able to pay them back, uh, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. So it's grants or an EWSS type system that needs to be brought in, and very fast, because, like I say, this is not something where... We, we, it. and and they were brought in very fast before. In fairness, um, but but we, we these are the things that's going to be. Or, or we're going to have black town blackout towns mm-hmm. all over Ireland this winter.
3: Michael, but, give us a, an idea in terms of the increased increase in costs for raw materials. For example, give me a cost of, I don't know, a ten liter bucket of mayonnaise. What were you paying for that last year? What are you paying for it now? Well, off
1: the cuff now, I do not those prices. But I know that when we when we took all the prices across, chicken, cooking oil. Uh, Beef increases at the time and all that. We we actually had it, uh, and, and this was only uh, this was in May. Uh, the last time we done this complete exercise, Everton in, on an average went up twenty six percent at that stage. Now it's gone up since again. So, we're, we're talking about uh, food increases. To, uh, I'd say it would, would, would roughly be about thirty percent increase in the kitchen for for supplies coming in there, about a hundred percent on gas and electric, and about. Uh, i said 20% on wages just because we had to try and hold on to people because COVID, of course, took a lot of people out of the business, out of hospitality.
3: So, so do you then become a seasonal business where you decide the f- possibility of a viable business operating in this climate throughout the winter, it's not going to happen. We'll just close it down and wait till the spring of next year. Is that we, a,
1: a we, prospect? Alan, we've, we've already, we were a seven-day restaurant and we cut back to a six-day. Uh, and then uh, three weeks ago, we cut that back to five days because you have to have swing over staff. So our staff level went from 27 down to, say, 24. Uh, and uh, we were cutting down on the 1st of October. That will be going back to a four-day week from Thursday to Sunday uh, because it's just not viable to be opening up uh, on, on those other days and we have to try and condense it. If there's no supports brought in, and I mean brought in fast, uh, we have to look at the net we, we, we've nowhere left to go only, only we, of course we can manipulate the menu a little bit and get try and get better products at better prices for people give them uh, cheaper options because at the same time as our prices went up our punters, the people that come into our restaurant as, as customers, their wages have gone down effectively almost ten percent because they're, they're, they're experiencing the same thing. So a restaurant is a luxury item. So it's people are just not going to go out. So we have to have a look. If we don't get supports in place and, and fairly quickly, we have to have a look at: is it cheaper to close completely for the winter and and carry that cost burden of that and switch off all the fridges and everything? Okay. Or as try and continue. That's where
3: we're at. All right, Michael, stay with us. Let's just take a break there.
0: Michael Reed on LMFM.
3: Welcome back to the programme, Robert Murray. Um, your thoughts on what you had to hear there, I mean, you're, you're not shocked, obviously, because you've been hearing those stories no. so often over the past couple of months.
4: Not shocked, but it's disappointing, obviously, to hear it, and obviously to hear it repeated, and that kind of, there's a magic number coming in there the whole time, which is 230 to 250% increases which is not not a deal at all. So I think, like, you know, listening to that and, of course, you know, kind of looking at the overall picture here, a lot of this is, of course, out of our control in Ireland and within the business. So I I suppose like the the, the first thing to do from a business perspective, I would suggest would be to look at your existing business and to reassess potentially operations in the short term, especially to maybe manage the usage of units as well, can be um, a starting point. But from the Chamber perspective and in terms of how Droughedon District Chamber can support a business in, in this situation, I would say that, you know, we don't have all the solutions clearly. But what we do have is we have... A good ear. We have a good access to an advisory panel. So, if a business was looking at, uh, sorry, I don't mean to be
3: facetious here, but I mean they're not looking for the Samaritans. They're looking for they are looking for action, a concerted roadmap out of this.
4: Absolutely, and that's exactly what I'm going to say because what we have is we have companies contacting us a lot, not just because of the energy crisis or for even for COVID, which we obviously did have as well, and we would have helped them protect it and and helped them get out of that problem. So what, what I'm saying is that we have a very strong panel of council team on the Dr- Drogheda District Chamber. We've got a good office team. When someone contacts us, we don't have obviously all the HR answers. OK, for example, there's going to be HR issues coming out of this. But we have a partnership with um, Adair Human Resource Management and they are strategic partners in HR. So if there's a business is saying, look, I need to look at this area, really, and I need to talk to somebody confidentially, well then reach out to us at the chamber and we will help. Chamber member or not chamber member, we're we're happy to help. And we also have a very, very important strategic partnership with Skillnet Ireland. And that is actually, um, we've got a new manager who joined us, Charlene O'Reilly. I would encourage businesses to reach out to her because there's actually collective courses that we can create to help steer And there's so many this. other
3: supports I mean I think of the local enterprise offices absolutely. as well which is a superb initiative and they're yeah. there to help and I don't think they're used to the full extent that they should be used. No
4: absolutely not but, and I and I think there's, there's a list actually which we will put up on our website of supports through the grants and everything that's on offer through the Leo okay. but also finally just say that yeah. the, the, the finance in terms of the expert advice that business can expect from the chamber because they're going to need a bit of steer at the moment and it's like there's finance um, solutions there's business strategies there's legal there's HR there's training so you know you're going to you have to operate the business a little bit differently in these situations and we're there to help with that
3: Okay John Farley, President of Meath uh, County Chamber is also in studio Um, John you are of a certain vintage as am I that will remember very difficult situations back in the 70s the oil crisis the 80s it just seems to to come full circle all the time but how different is this and how how serious is it
5: Um Well, we're after getting um, a view from a small, medium and large business and every single one of them are affected or going to be affected. I have a small business myself, and we're, in, we're no different than anybody else. Uh, the difference is it's the scale of the increases. The shortage was uh, we, the last. Uh, the, 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 the other ones that you're talking about was about the about the uh, shortage of, of of fuel. This is the fuels available or the electricity is available, but they're charging five times the price uh, what they should should be charging. And basically, you know, uh, I do believe that. Um, government, if if on the basis of those three co- um, uh, contributions, if government doesn't act in the way that it should act from the point of view of grant aid and, and help, no loans, uh, there's going to be an awful lot of those people and those companies unemployed.
3: It's interesting, um, both of you uh, we're talking about the loans there. There's and it's unanimous. Listening to every single yes. business that called yeah. us in, that they are not interested no. in the loans. No, definitely. Okay, not. I'm getting screamed at here. I got to take a break, and we got to get to news. But we will come back to this conversation.
0: Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM.
3: FM. Welcome back to the program. If you've just joined us, we have been talking to a number of businesses throughout the region who are finding it very difficult to continue trading in the current circumstances where they're facing a huge increase in the cost of electricity and gas. Donald McGill, owner of the Windsor Barn restaurant in Dundalk. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Donald, what is your story? How difficult is it for you?
8: Uh, good morning, Alan. Uh, yeah, just like the, your previous callers, I was just doing some sums last night uh, as well on my uh, electricity and gas bills. And the electricity bill that uh, I had for the month of August uh, just gone was about six thousand euro, and the best price because uh, I'm in the process of changing now. I, my my contract comes to an end uh, at the end of October, and the best price I can get will be for the same amount of uh, units used. It'll be twelve thousand. So that's an increase of six thousand a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, with gas, it's even scarier. Uh, I took a bill from February because then there would be heating and uh, and cooking and all that that goes on, uh, and the bill for February was 1,900 euro. That was for this year. With the base rate, I can get fixed for the next year. That 1,900 would go up to 8,000 euro so these are colossal figures these are these are huge increases this is not like in the old days 5 pence or something going on to the price of a pint or something like that this is this is really going to shake the foundations of how you run your business or if you can if you can run your business
3: you know so uh, with that in mind and the increases you are facing is there a prospect of you passing those on to the, your customers in terms of increasing the, the cost of a pint? I would imagine it would probably have to go up five or six euro a pint well, it's, in it's, order it's to try and the recoup.
8: A pint at the moment is roughly around five quid. You'd have to put it up to six. It's not even that. It's the price of a steak maybe at 30 quid, might have to go up to 40. And this comes straight back onto the, the customer who has their own energy bill to pay, and now they're expected to pay mine as well. So it's, 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 it's spiralling out, out of control, uh, you know, and, you know, footfall is bound to suffer as a result, and it, it would beg the question whether you open, close, you know, like during COVID, we all shut and everybody was in the same boat, and the government done great work with, with supports. I don't know how you deal with this. I'm looking at the energy companies themselves. As von der Leyen is sort of pointing out in her speech, uh, I think the energy companies have to stand up. Like, uh, uh, there's huge profits being made here. Uh, the, 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 my bill last year for electricity, uh, there's a disclosure in the back of the bill that shows that um, the renewable resources, that you know, the different uh, fuel that they use, and the electricity last year was using 30% renewable. This year... My la- the last bill I got had 100% renewable fuel that they're using yet they're charging it out at gas and oil prices which is it's, it's crazy they have to be taken to task okay.
3: on this um, Stay with us, stone. Gwen Farron is owner of Stockwell Artisan Foods Cafe and Drogheda uh, Morning, Gwen how difficult has it been for you and can you give us a, an idea just to put it into context what you are paying for raw materials now as opposed to what you were paying for them six months or a year ago?
9: Yeah, sure. I actually, I pulled out just a couple of examples for you. And I didn't even pull out fresh produce, which is which is seasonal variables anyway. So I mentioned the mayonnaise to your researcher. I used a particular rapeseed, uh, free-range egg mayonnaise. In October 21, it was €23. Euros a ten litre container. In April twenty two it was forty eight euro for a ten litre container.
3: More than, that
9: since has more than double. That since has gone down to 40 euro. I, I actually checked online last night. Our milk, when we were buying in our milk, which is Irish milk, we were getting six two litres for 984. That's now 13 euro. Um a gluten-free carrot cake, just to give you an example, we buy it from a gluten-free bakery obviously with the price of everything gone up it was 14 euro it is now 22 euro turkey has gone up from 530 a kilo to 780 a kilo coffee cups napkins boxes everything has gone up by at least 30 percent and that's down to other variables it's not all electricity that 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 we're talking about um i'm lucky in a way that um i'm i'm with a decent contract i'm still within a decent contract for my electricity, so I shouldn't have the major price hikes that other people are having for a little while. But it's um, like when you think of cardboard and you think of takeaway containers and, and coffee cups and different things like that. Amazon have pre-bought, I think. I think it's fifty-five percent of the world's cardboard. So e-commerce has a massive, um, a massive knock-on effect for us getting takeout containers. It's not just the the labour shortage that happened during COVID and the oil prices of transporting it. It's also bigger companies buying.
3: Okay, and And how do you then adapt as a smaller company to survive? Presumably, you're going to have to, you you pass on some of it to the
9: consumer. Alan, it's like a big wheel, you know. So you have your customer at the top. You can price gouge, which we don't do. And when I see people going onto social media,
0: Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
9: Now don't get me wrong, a 20 euro chicken fillet roll is price count, but the majority of people aren't. Sorry, to,
3: are you saying that there's somebody out there charging 20 euro for a chicken? Well,
9: it was all over Twitter <laughs> <a week ago. laughs> I know, yeah.
3: It must have been, been some chicken.
9: Was, they said it was. A, but chicken's gone up with avian flu and with feed. It's, it's not all about energy. So, Ukraine, the wheat basket of, of Europe, um, also supplies sunflower oil and rapeseed oil. So the reason that my rapeseed oil pre-range egg mayonnaise went up so much, allegedly, is because the rapeseed oil was coming in from Ukraine. That was no longer coming in. It was coming in from Russia, but with embargoes, we can't yeah. buy in from Russia with sanctions. And then with avian flu, which we've had avian flu in Ireland, I think about the last 10 months, it's just it's gone particularly bad um, the last few weeks. So that means there's no technically eggs are not free range because they have to be housed because you can't have the wild birds bringing in avian flu so that costs more food and more electricity so it's not just about electricity you know you have, um, you have climate change for instance our coffee and our cocoa has gone up by 24% because of bad crop yields with climate change as well as extra energy being used in, the, in, in production You also have, um, I think by 2050, the world will have the most people ever on the planet. We're going to peak in 2050. So people have to have somewhere to live. So instead of growing potatoes, you're building houses. This?
3: Gwen, just stay there, stay with us for for a moment, uh, Gwen, because I just want to push on and talk to Daniel McLaughlin, owner of Roxhall Cafes in Blackrock, and Dundalk, employing 80 people. Daniel, um, that's pretty stark what we had to hear from Gwen there. Presumably you are experiencing something similar to that.
11: Hi Alan, how are you doing? Yeah we're, um, yeah, we're pretty much in the same boat, to be honest. Um, like our our certainly our, our cost across the board has has uh, gone up since um since kind of reopening after COVID um and has continued to, to kinda of go up. Um, we saw a big increase in chicken, coffee, packaging, all all across the board really. Um and obviously now with the with the electric and gas is, is another another hit in the business and another um challenge to navigate I suppose and um that's certainly the way that's only the way we look at it is, um, I think we, like I sat down with our managers yesterday and I kind of hit them with, look, costs are, let's just say, worst case scenario, next year costs are going to be 30% up and potentially, you know, it's going to have an impact on, on spending and, and customers and footfall and all the like. So, you could potentially have 20% decrease in sales. Um, so... How do we how do we navigate through that? And so how do we, how
3: do you are they able to come up with any form of solution or do you have the 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 magic bullet for this?
11: I don't know if I have a magic bullet, but um, look, I suppose the biggest thing is it's out of our control. There's not there's not much I can do other than be reactive to this now and and try and work the positive angles and be like, look, it's a challenge, guys. We need to get through this, um, and we'll come out the other end like what we did on, with COVID. Um, so we're looking at ways that we can instead of you know, losing that twenty percent business that we can we can actually grow through this and um, keep our team on board and keep the hours there for everybody. So the likes of doing team pop up evenings in the cafes mm-hmm. and um, you know look, just managing our our costs and our labour and looking at buying bulk instead and getting a better deal on that rather than. Um, Rather than, you know, buying week to week sort of thing. Um, all of those kind of things just just make it a little bit better. We're looking at retail offering for our for our, our bakery sided stuff and we're looking at the retail for our for okay. our coffee that would bring in other revenue streams, you know?
3: Okay, I wanna go back to our guests in studio and go to you, John. Um, it's pretty depressing having to listen to those stories for the past hour or so, but one gets the sense that businesses feel that they have no support there, outside local supports, I'm talking about the chambers, but from government, there's just absolute uncertainty surrounding the future for them. So, fair
5: assessment. Well, at the moment, yes, and we would hope that um, in two weeks' time that the budget will bring in the supports uh, a number of supports as that which uh, will help in the very same way as the as was done for COVID and I think the other thing that uh, I think needs to be done um, we talked about the massive increase the energy companies and the profits that they're making I think government should say look at and Europe should say you're entitled to 20% profit or whatever, and the rest of it should be taxed at 95% uh, to actually use those funds to actually help uh, the, the governments and the co- in, in the different countries to help the people uh, in these businesses because. If the help doesn't come through what the chambers do in 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 making representations for people uh, to government or whatever, if the help doesn't come, you're going to have thousands of people unemployed. So the government, hopefully, uh, will put that package together to uh, alleviate that particular problem because it'll only get worse for the ordinary person, in, in uh, the ordinary worker. See, here's the thing as well,
3: uh, Robert, we're, we're sort of taking our eye off that if we find businesses in a position where they will have to close temporarily or permanently we're back to unemployment That's and right. that in itself puts pressure on the Exchequer in terms That's of social right. welfare etc 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 and it just becomes a never-ending spiral downwards.
4: Yeah well look I suppose the only thing I can say to that is that we are trying very very hard at the Chambers level. Chambers Ireland have been engaged with a numerous, um, I've actually, I was engaged with my colleague in Chambers Ireland last night who briefed us on um, on what's been happening? So there's been a kind of a, a three pillar kind of approach in terms of the submission, the pre the submission for the for the pre budget for the for the budget from from Chambers Ireland across the feed in from the forty chambers. One of the pillars in there is is crucially energy. Mm-hmm. The other one is housing and then the other one is skill and, uh, skills and talent. So they're the three kind of approaches. And there's been the Taoiseach, the Tawnashta, Minister Donoghue, McGrath and Ryan have all been approached within the last two weeks. And so this is pressure that needs to be pushed on from Chambers Ireland to the government on behalf of the members of, of the chambers around the country. So. I'd kind of I'd, briefly I'd to and in 30 that.
3: seconds, where is there any light or any confidence, or is there? Or do we have to wait for <laughs> chapter two?
4: Okay I don't have the magic I don't have the magic button like, like your previous caller as well. Um, but I do like Daniel, but I do say that um, you know, the businesses can only control what they have in front of them. So I think that's the, the, the final piece of advice I would give. Reach out to me Chamber Counts, er, County okay. Chamber. Reach out to the Chamber if you have a question that you want to ask. That you don't want to come on to air and, and do it. Like you know, talk to us, and we're, we're certainly there, ready to help.
3: Okay, gentlemen, we will leave it there. Robert Murray, who's uh, president of Drohada Chamber, and John Farley, president of the County Chamber. Thank you both for joining us, and indeed to all our guests who joined us on air this morning.
0: Michael Reed
3: on LMFM. Welcome back to the programme. Sinn Fein leader Mary Lou Macdonald has said her party would spend 3.8 billion on one-off measures in the forthcoming budget. She told her party thinking that such an intervention was extraordinary but necessary. Sinn Féin says it will cap energy bills until the end of February by subventing energy companies at a cost of £1.6 billion. The party is also calling for a windfall tax on excessive profits along with tiered cash payments for individuals rising to €500 euro for those on lowest incomes. Joining us this morning to discuss this and other issues which arose during the party's Think In is Sinn Féin's Darren O'Rourke, Sinn Féin TD for Me The West and party spokesperson on climate change and transport deputy thanks for joining us and sorry for keeping you a little bit longer than uh, we had un- anticipated but you had been listening to the conversation that preceded this and no doubt a lot of it resonates with you but the clear message coming from businesses in this region is we want help what help are you going to give them
12: uh, absolutely I think um that that's been very very clear um and and i've I've met with businesses over the summer period um as as the situation uh, has has worsened for them and i think um you know you 've done some service there alan and l m f m have to 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 give voice to their deep concerns and the and the the reality that that they face and you can hear from the different contributions that um you know, it, it isn't just electricity. There's a number of, of, of factors that, that contribute. And, and people mentioned poor crops and the war in Ukraine and the, the energy crisis and supply chains and some post-COVID hangover. And uh, it, it's clear that n- no government, either here or in Europe, can deal with all of that. Um, but uh, what, what we need from government is to do everything that they can um to 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 uh, to support businesses and households and, and families okay we,
3: we know all that deputy i mean words of comfort are no longer cutting it anymore for the business community or indeed for that matter households so we are facing into a budget in a little under two weeks time if you were sitting in that chair what would you do where would you get the money from
12: so, so, the, so there's a couple of things to say in relation to it. And first, first of all, we're we're bringing forward a, a, a motion to the DAWL tonight to specifically support uh, households and families in, in in the time ahead. We will come with a suite of proposals, uh, as we do every year, but but this year in particular around the the cost of living, um, with with targeted supports for, for for businesses. I think there's a couple of things to say. In the first instance. Um, the government haven't done enough thus far. In fact, they have, in my opinion and in our opinion, they have impeded uh, changes that would have supported businesses for the last year. They have protected um, the profits of energy companies for the last year. They've argued against...
3: Uh, but Darren, they're working within the parameters, particularly that are being no, no, dictated no, no. to by, no, no. by Europe.
12: No, 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 no. Uh, they, they are opposing progressive measures from uh, France for example last October there was a proposal to reduce the price of electricity by decoupling the price of gas from the price of electricity, we know that, for example, uh, on, on any given day, we could have up to forty percent of of the energy generated for, for, for Ireland from renewable sources, which is a, a really positive thing. The really um, negative thing about it is that we 're paying the same price as we're paying for gas for that renewable electricity, and we 're doing that because the way the market is set up. So the market is broken. there was an opportunity last October to reform it, and the Irish government voted against that proposal along with eight other European countries. So so France came with a a proposal to reform the markets and the Irish government voted against it. So so it's, it's a matter of fact to say we would be in a better place today if the government didn't take that action. And actually in april of this year spain and portugal did a solo run they, they they said we're going to do it they got an exemption an exemption based on criteria that ireland could have got the same exemption the exemption was got on the basis of they've got very high gas dependency just like ireland they've got poor electricity interconnection just like ireland they got an exemption and since since april um, electricity consumers in, in Spain have saved over 2 billion euros. So the Irish government could have fought for that. Instead, our ministers went to the European level and argued against it because okay. they wanted to protect the profits of energy companies so they could reinvest those into renewables. As, uh, uh, that was their argument. And I just think that was a completely outrageous argument to, ma- to make, given the super profits that these energy
3: companies... Right, let's talk about them the subvention that your party leader was talking about of 1.6 billion to the end of February next year, uh, putting a cap uh, on energy bills That's sort of bonkers, surely.
12: No, it's it's absolutely what's needed at this point in time. But,
3: sure, what happens after February? Do we go back to the trough again and look for two billion to do it until the end of the of, of, of spring?
12: So, what it does is it provides certainty for people. Um, it protect, so, it's one element. It's, it's an element, I think, that's, that is, is necessary. It addresses the cost of electricity. We've seen a 14-fold increase in the wholesale price of gas, which has had a direct impact on the, on the price of electricity. We've seen 50 increases in, in electricity bills. Where Families are literally facing destitution this winter. That's not a, a, an overstatement. So, the government needs to act in a radical way. This is a radical proposal, but it is required for two things, to provide the, the certainty for people of what the the winter is going to, to look like, and also to provide time to, to in to introduce those types of reforms, so, so the decoupling we need to get the benefit of the renewable energy we have the system we 're overly exposed to the price of gas here. We can do something about that. we can do something about that in the months of, uh, ahead okay well, well
3: if if for, for just a moment we could think beyond the next quarter and into January, the reality is. We could be in a worse situation heading into 2023 where we will have to go back to find funding for whatever, whether it's businesses or for something else in order to keep the ship afloat. So ploughing this level of money into a situation in the short term isn't exactly a good idea. We need to be prudent in terms of our spending.
12: No, absolutely. And, and, and this is um, a, a, a well-assessed measure, a prudent measure. We, we know that there, there, there are the funds there. Um, we know that the Irish government have done far less than, than other uh, countries uh, that confirmed by the, the Financial Times that of, of European countries, Ireland has done the, the second least. Only Denmark are behind us in terms of investment in um, households and businesses to support them during this energy crisis as a percentage of GDP. We have the means to do it. That's confirmed by the Fiscal Advisory Council. We need to do it. Otherwise, we will drive okay. people into fuel and energy poverty. And that's a statement of fact, not, not Sinn Féin propaganda. Yeah, okay. It's said by the ESRI E-R- and others, that, and, and that's not including the price of petrol and diesel. Just based on, on, on home heating and the price of, of electricity, up to 70% of people could be living in energy poverty this winter.
3: Okay, talk to me a little bit bit about what your party leader uh, was uh, floating a system of direct cash payments to households is that a good idea and I say it in the context of there's going to be no oversight there in terms of how that money is spent in some families it could be spent in such a manner that will not benefit the family whereas other families would put it directly into energy of cost of living uh, issues that they face surely it should come in the form of a voucher for energy a voucher for something as opposed to there's the cash do what you will with it
12: so so there's so there's a uh, we will come with a suite of proposals and and, and some we're, we're putting forward in the doll tonight include the cap on electricity prices the introduction of a, a windfall tax on the massive obscene profits of, of energy yeah, yeah but talk to me about and that these, direct
3: cash the, payment is and it and a these, good idea in the context these, if there's no oversight on it
12: and these direct cash payments, and also social welfare supports, in terms of, of of targeting of that, I think, you know, so so what you're talking about there, Alan, is is this idea of of moral hazard, and I think, you know, the the idea that 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 people will be reckless in in, in their spending, I think you need to look at again going back to that point of the cost of living crisis, the cash payments those cash payments they are tiered and targeted basically what they will be doing alan is lifting people out of, popor- of poverty that's what they will be doing
3: you would it's hope present- you would hope that that's what they're going to do but goes back to again again no oversight. But,
12: but but you know I, I would give credit to people. What are they going to do with, with the, the little bit of money they will have as disposable income which they wouldn't otherwise have. They'll, they'll spend it in the businesses that you've spent the last hour talking to. That's what they will do. Otherwise they won't have discretionary funding, any money available to go and spend on those or they'll have less money available to go and spend on those businesses and what will the impact of that be other than to you know uh, uh, impact the profits, the margins or or, or the losses of of, of of those businesses and put them under great, so it's, it, it's all interrelated, it's, you know the disposable income of ordinary citizens is what keeps our economy going
3: Okay, we we'll leave it there, Darren O'Rourke Sinn Féin TD for Eastmeath and party spokesperson on climate change and transport. Thank you for joining us this morning. Michael,
4: Michael
0: Reed on
3: LMFM. Welcome back. The Cabinet is set to sign off on an 80 cent an hour increase in the minimum wage this morning at Cabinet. It's one of a number of items on the agenda as the Dáil returns from its summer recess today. We're joined by Deputy Jed Nash, Labour Party TD for Loud and East Meath and party spokesperson on finance, public expenditure and reform. Deputy, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Not a bad result, 80 cent, is it, in the current economic climate that we face
13: well if you were to say two years ago um, that the uh, minimum wage would go up by uh, 80 cents an hour um would be quite pleased. It was probably a roundabout where we we proposed ourselves a couple of years ago in terms of the kind of moves, incremental moves, that would need to be made to introduce a real living wage uh, in Ireland. And we're on that pathway. But unfortunately, the context of the experience of low-paid workers at the moment and the fact that it's actually the bottom two deciles, the bottom 20% of workers and those in fixed incomes in this country who are feeling the uh, impact of inflation the worst, then our argument has been to the Low Pay Commission we made this argument directly to them uh, a couple of months ago that the minimum wage should go up by about one euro fifty an hour to take account of the uh, growing rate of inflation inflation um, by the year's end could come in at around 10% and the reality is that you know inflation as you know has been felt very differently by different groups of people if you're well off and have some savings to insulate yourself from the worst kind of vicissitudes of the rising energy prices yeah. transport prices and food costs but, but you know energy, Jed okay you know Jed
3: throwing, throwing money at inflation is a bad idea, and if we were to up it to one fifty, and inflation comes back, then to whatever it was, three, four percent, you know, that that's that, that's not good economics.
13: Well, uh, the reality is that there's actually an acknowledgement, and you'll be aware of it. The rate national minimum wage anyway in Ireland is inadequate to meet people's basic needs and that's why um, government policy is to move towards a living wage. We've equivocal with government in terms of how that living wage is set at the minute. You know, University would suggest that it's around €12. Euro. 32 our argument would be that given the inflationary period we're in at the moment, it could would be northwards of of 13 euro to 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 be able to provide for people's basic needs, and that's if you're working a 39 hour week and remember uh, Alan, as well that a lot of people who are on low pay or 20 percent of all irish workers are on low pay one of the highest levels of all the rich countries across the world you know if you're in that situation you may not be working 39 hours a week and and the insecurity of your job needs to be taken into uh, account uh, as well so you know we, we obviously understand and we all know that 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 you know, businesses are in real difficulty at the moment this is a, the kind of crisis that businesses are experiencing at the moment, we would hope would be reasonably momentary, it would be short to, to very medium term and you know it, it, it may jar with some people that, that there are people on, on the airwaves talking this morning, about rise rises the minimum wage when businesses are experiencing very very clear difficulties and I listened intently this morning to what uh, Power, Cairns, Martin Winters Robert Murray and others were saying, I'm dealing with these issues every day and, and the reality is that these issues could have been dealt with over the summer in the context of the emergency budget that we were talking about, I have been arguing for the last few weeks for the introduction, for example, of a new German-style short-time working scheme based loosely on the wage subsidy scheme and, and less expensive. So it could actually target labour supports, help those companies that are in real difficulty, especially those in the manufacturing sector, to actually help with their labour costs to get them through uh, this situation. So, you know, we, we can't separate out, out, out those two issues. Uh, there will be a requirement for a uh, huge injection of resources into business in so the next period of time to assist them with the difficulties that they're experiencing at the moment in terms of rising energy costs. I think that can be done there's a ta- you know, suite of measures there that could be introduced uh, but I don't think that low paid workers okay. should have uh, to suffer uh, when they've been in crisis for a number of years already and there's a, there's a recognition of the inadequacy of our minimum,
3: right. minimum De- Deputy,
13: was I, that's why we need to move to a living
3: wage Was I correct in hearing you when you said you were of the view that this is going to be short term in terms of the difficulties we're facing was, was I correct in, in getting that from you?
13: Well, when I say short term, it depends how we measure short term. Over a period of, of of months or a year, and that will depend now on the efficacy of the measures that government is prepared to introduce. Very welcome development at European level this morning in terms of the the the, the capping, as it were, of of, of certain um, forms of energy. That will certainly help. We've been calling for windfall taxes, you know, to to to, to take resources away from those who are experiencing you know, hyper profits in the energy sector and direct them back at the businesses and the households that are most effective to help them with their, with their bottom lines. So there, there's a suite of measures there and the government have the weapons in their armoury to be able to assist. One of the things I think that they should do and the Labour Party is the only party talking about this and we've been talking about it in fairness for the last two years is actually have a permanent wage subsidy scheme on our statute books to be able to dust that down and target that businesses that need it, businesses that are experiencing crises of this nature. Um, we would be hopeful, of course, this is not the kind of crisis that will last for years, that this will last months, maybe a year, uh, until, you know, the, the, the situation finds its level again. But in the meantime, we need to use the results okay, well, to, well, to, well, well, to protect you, you businesses s- that need it most and to protect yeah. jobs.
3: You seem to be a voice in the wilderness when you talk about this lasting perhaps a year at best. This is a geopolitical crisis that is so far out of our control and I think to an extent Europe's control that it could potentially go on for a lot longer. Nobody's budging on this.
13: Well, 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 that's right. I mean, but if we separate uh, the, the question of the war, which we have no control over, what we do have control over is European uh, energy and uh, business and employment policy. And that's why the intervention today from the European Commission is really, really interesting. And we've actually seen a slight uh, reduction in wholesale gas prices over the last few days in response to that. Remember, as each day goes by, Um, More renewables are active across the world. We are depending more on renewables. We're shifting to renewables and less dependent on gas. But the reality is, as we know, and every business knows this, to their cost. And the rate of of energy in the wholesale markets, uh, the the energy that's bought by the electricity electricity companies to pass on to the retailer, to the business, to, to the household, is actually set by the market price of gas. So actually the big profits have been made by renewables at the moment. But as we move towards renewables, the reliance on gas is going to become less uh, intensive. So in the meantime, there are the resources there to be able to support businesses through this by either capping uh, energy costs or providing various, um, you know, resources to them. You know, for example, um, and I found this week through a series of parliamentary questions you may have seen it in the newspapers over the last couple of days, the state has actually recouped about 400 million euro in wage subsidy schemes where, you know, eligibility w- wasn't met. Uh, that money could actually be used now to help to, for example, furlough workers or assist them, assist companies to help with their labour costs through the next period of the Okay, of, of
3: just, be, just before we leave it, um, Deputy, I just want to ask you, I mean, if we could do a little bit of crystal ball gazing here and look at what the situation would be in, in 12 months time. You're of the view that we could be out of this. But in reality, do you accept that in 12 months time, we'll see a situation where we will see businesses closing, particularly small businesses, businesses that have been there for almost generations. We'll see an increase in unemployment and we'll see the level of uh, finances available to us being further squeezed as a result of what we're going
13: through that will very much depend on the type of policies that the government is prepared to pursue and um, they have been quite lackadaisical in their approach to date for example uh, the the um uh, the, the, the exemptions from state aid that the um, uh, state has, has received back back in August. The scheme to support you know heavy manufacturing businesses with their energy costs hasn't been signed off yet, hasn't been released. It won't be available to businesses probably until the end of September, uh, early October. And I absolutely agree with what local business owners have said earlier on. Uh, loans are out of the question. There are lots of heavily indebted businesses. Loans are out of the question. What is required now are targeted supports through grants and for example the reintroduction of a form of CRSS scheme that worked very well to help uh, the locally traded services sector but also, we believe, a of wage subsidy scheme to help people through uh, this, this crisis and keep people in work and help businesses to address the labour cost issues uh, that they have. You know, We do support uh, the idea that there should be increases to the minimum wage but that presupposes as well that there are going to be significant okay. state supports to help businesses through this very, very difficult period. If, if the, if the if this country, if the government does the right thing, there's absolutely no reason why we would see mass unemployment, is no reason why we should see um, viable businesses going under. They can
3: be supported if the political... OK, Jed, d- just, just, just very briefly, and I. Most. I can't let you go without asking you about the political fortunes of the Labour Party and where it's come from, where it's going to. You're not really making a huge impact in terms of heading into the next general election as a viable entity that people will jump into bed with you.
13: It's certainly not. I mean, that, that may be your view. It's not mine. Uh, I say the hard work that we're all doing in the ground. I experienced that. And um, you know, we 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 have seven seats at the moment, and we want to, uh, at the very least, double that uh, in the next election. I and mean, we believe we can do that. I mean, the the political situation in this country really is in a state of flux. We were very good, at thinking, uh, you know, reorientated ourselves there last Thursday and Friday down in Wexford, uh, you know, under the ages of our new leader, Ivala Bajic, you know, the response has been very, very warm, very positive to her. I think she will grow in the job. People are warming to her. Uh, I've been around the country with her, and I can see that very, very clearly. And, and people are looking. I think, you know, at this point in time... Uh, the Labour Party was never more necessary in terms of the kind of interventions we need to support working people and to support small business and support communities through this this crisis. Undoubtedly, it's a challenging time. You know, we see, uh, you know, there's a, a left populist party, of course, that that is uh, performing extremely well in the polls. We haven't
8: had an election yet. There's a lot of assumptions <laughs>
13: being made about the formation of the next government. I think the next couple of years would really matter okay. in the context of political campaigning, uh, and I think people are becoming more receptive uh, to to our message.
3: Very good, Deputy Jed Nash. Thank. Thank you for joining us this morning.
0: Michael Reed on LMFM.
3: Welcome back to the programme. The National Women's Council will launch a toolkit for local authorities on how to encourage women into local government and support them to stay. In 2021, the Citizens' Assembly on Gender Equality called for urgent action to provide the family-friendly policies needed to diversify politics. Director of the National Women's Council, Orlo O'Connor, said more women need to be involved in the decisions that shape all our lives. Yet still, in 2022, women are being forced to choose between their careers in public office and their family commitments. And Orlo O'Connor joins us this morning. Orla, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Looking at these statistics, they don't make for great reading. If we look at going back to 2014 at the local elections, we had 21% representation that's now around 25%. It's not a great number, is it?
10: No, it's very low. And Ireland really stands out um, across Europe in terms of our low level of representation of women at local level. And And change is not happening. And that's why the National Women's Council has been campaigning on a number of fronts in terms of both the issue of quotas, but also what we, what we know, and we know from this research, is that we need to change our systems and our structures within local government so that, and for two reasons, so that more women will go forward, but also so that women will stay because we have a retention issue. What we are experiencing is that when women get elected, then they may not stand for a second time. And that's because of the structures and the barriers that are there. So that's why this toolkit is important. Um, because we know, Alan, that from across the country, there are really good initiatives happening. But what we're trying to do in this is to bring them together and to say to local authorities, look, you need to put together a plan to really address gender inequality, gender bias within your structures and systems.
3: Okay, well, let's look at some of those barriers and touched on one in particular, which was gender bias. I find it extraordinary that, uh, you know, Ireland in 2022 still has a difficulty with gender bias, particularly when it comes to women in politics. Why is that the case?
10: Well, I think it's because when you look at the systems of local authorities, they have been doing their business in the same way for such a long time. And it suits, I suppose a certain group of people and so when when you look at the the profile of local authorities, you know you've got um that um are are not don't have other jobs that this is is their main piece they may be self employed there is a very low proportion of people let's say who are in part-time work, which is generally what women are. So there's an issue of money and money is, a, is absolute finance is a key one. So if you're on a low income, it's going to be much harder for you to go forward. But also things like gender bias comes out in the fact that for many local authorities, they, re, they haven't gone forward with more remote working. There has been an increase in that due to COVID. And what we're saying is that that needs to be in, you know continued. Okay, well,
3: I, also, I want to touch on that because it's an important yes. issue particularly for women um, who are raising a family and working in the home, that they need that degree of flexibility to allow them to engage and make it a more attractive proposition for them. So the hybrid working model, as you say, was rolled out during COVID. Is it being embraced, do you think, to the full extent that's required to allow women to to use it as a tool in their favour to get into politics?
10: No, The experience of councillors is it's not happening enough and you the word you use is flexibility and that's exactly what women have said to us. It's the flexibility that's needed about meetings, about times for meetings because the majority of local authorities will have their meetings in the evenings and that can be difficult. So it is about flexibility, it is about using increased remote facilities, it's also about considering remote voting as well at times. And it's also about the supports that are put in place, particularly for new councillors in terms of systems. So, so, what what has been looked at? I mean, for example, in Longford County Council, with the Longford a local um, women's project, the Longford Women's Link, they've looked at you know for women becoming new councillors, what are the supports that are needed? And that's really, I think, that's really positive. Mm. So there are some positive examples. And it's a combination of measures. There's no one solution Mm -hmm. for this. So it is the remote working, it is the flexibility, it is the support.
3: One thing that... I certainly came across having conversations with women who are both in politics and wanted to get into politics was the sense of isolation that they felt once they got in there. So there surely must be an argument there for, and I think you probably described it as a women's caucus, which is cross politics, where women can come together despite their political views and be supportive and come up with initiatives.
10: Yeah, the the local women's caucuses are, I think, a really important piece because we know nationally the women's caucus in in the Daul has been, you know, a really positive. um, And people have said that, you know, our women TDs have said that this is a really positive way of working and supporting each other. And we know from international research that that cross-party support of women really helps in terms of retention and, and women going forward again. So I what we're encouraging is for all of the local authorities to establish uh, women's caucuses and also to support the caucus as well within the structure of local authority. And we're just seeing that, for example, in our Dal this year, where there is now a proper secretarial support through through the Oireachtas for um, the caucus. And we want to see the same in local authorities as well. So that's So I think that's a really key piece in this in terms of... encouraging women Uh to go forward but also in terms of retention
3: Can I ask you, the women who have managed to navigate that difficult pathway into politics when they get there are they utterly deflated by what they see or do they see that they can make a difference when they get there
10: Yeah, I I think it's mixed. I mean, certainly, you know, in this piece of research that we did in developing the toolkit, there are a lot of barriers and there still is basic sexism as well. So women, you know, have described, you know, feeling undermined, feeling that issues aren't being taken seriously. And I think one of the things that makes a real difference when you get that critical mass of women, this is important for equality and for our democracy, but it's also important for, for outcomes. We know that when there's a, a more representation of women, we'll have issues like childcare, issues like violence against women being much more, being raised more, being considered more seriously and actions being taken. So there's really positive outcomes. And also from the family-friendly toolkit, there's really positive outcomes for men as well, because this is about you know men and women being able to balance a political you know a political representation with ordinary life
3: okay i can't let you go there Orla, without asking you to comment perhaps on the news that we are going to um be presented with universal free contraception scheme for women aged 17 to 25 it's to be welcome no doubt however will the demand outstrip the number of you know doctors who are prepared to participate in the scheme
10: well, it's, yeah, I mean, you're, it's absolutely to be welcomed. This is a long campaign by the National Women's Council and our members. And particularly at the moment, because of the cost of living crisis, we know that it is really prohibitive in terms of the cost of contraception. So it's really welcome that the government is rolling out this initial scheme today. And, and I think for us in the National Women's Council, it's important to say that we see this as an initial scheme. This only goes up to 25-year-olds. And we want to see that extended to have universal contraception. I mean, the the fact is, this is about cost. So obviously, yes, there will be an increase in in terms of women um, looking for it. But we believe it's a really positive measure and it's really positive for women's Mm. health um, and also given the cost of living crisis at the moment.
3: Sure. But just on the point, are you confident that there will be sufficient numbers of GPs that will be able to meet the demand that is anticipated from this initiative?
10: Yes, G- GPs have also been part of the call looking for this because they see the need for this, particularly in terms of use of long term contraceptives. Um, and they see the benefits of that for women's health. So GPs have been part of, you know, and this, this has been going on for a long time in terms of calling for this. So, yes, I am confident. And yes, there will be demand. But I am confident that our GPs can meet that demand.
3: Very good. Director of the National Women's Council, Orla O'Connor, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Just before I leave you, one particular comment I want to bring to you in relation to the energy crisis. Hi, Alan. I'm the same here in RD. I have a hairdresser with a great business for over 30 years. Never witnessed times like this. We depend on electricity for hairdryers, water, heating to be turned on soon. Staff wages, rates, rent, water bills and the stock. Everything has gone up. It's hard. Makes you think. What is next for us all? That reflects a lot of the comments that we've been getting over the past two hours since we began begun this discussion at nine o'clock this morning. No doubt we will continue it in some shape or form tomorrow. Thank you to everybody who called in and who participated in the show. We're back with you again tomorrow, same time. Till so then, from me, good morning
2: the michael reed show podcast tune in weekdays from nine on lmfm to contact us email now michael at lmfm.ie lmfm podcasts with cnc carpets we bring the showroom to you or book a new showroom appointment on 087-660-4237